Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, August 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Financial markets are absorbing the hawkish words out of the Wyoming meeting of central bankers this past weekend, and the EU is set to shut the gates on Russian tourists. Plus, we'll look at why the Biden administration is scrutinizing the $10 trillion private equity industry. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Investors are bracing for a longer stretch of higher interest rates as central bankers focus on inflation. That was the message from the world's leading central bankers during the Jackson Hole Symposium in Wyoming this past weekend. And markets responded with sharp sell-offs on Friday after Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell gave his keynote speech. Here's the FT's Colby Smith. I mean, it was unequivocally uh, the strongest message we've heard from Powell to date about the central bank's commitment to root out high inflation. There were some lingering hopes. I I think the Fed was starting to think uh, more about two-sided risks, meaning that it isn't just high inflation that they're worried about. They're also concerned about the impact on economic growth that their campaign to tighten interest rates uh, would uh, create. And the message that Powell sent at Jackson Hole was that the Fed is, is narrowly focused on bringing down inflation, and they're willing to sacrifice uh, gains in the economy since the pandemic in order to do so. And uh, specifically, he warned uh, about the likelihood of a sustained period of lower growth and also uh, a weaker labor market. So, Colby, were there any central bankers pushing for a more dovish policy or at least less hawkish than what you're describing? No, actually, I really think that central bankers here know that the the task in front of them is to convince people that they have this inflation situation under control. So we heard this from Powell. We heard this from the top officials at the ECB and other central bankers that the most important thing at this moment is to really establish their credibility um, and their inflation fighting credentials. And they can't ease up even if we start to see some economic pain because the risk of letting inflation run out of control, which will then require the Fed to take even more aggressive action, is going to be much more economically costly. Now, what does this mean for markets going into this week or beyond, and not just in the U.S., but other regions too? How might investors react to all this, Colby? We're in a bit of a standstill, I think, in terms of markets until we get fresh economic data. So uh, upcoming this week, we have the jobs report on Friday, and we'll also get another reading of the CPI report before the September policy meeting. And what's going to be critical for investors next month is not only the decision itself uh, about whether the Fed is going to raise rates by half a percentage point or three quarters of a percentage point, but also we'll get new economic forecasts from officials as well as individual projections for uh, the level of future interest rates. And what's critical there is we'll not only see how much tightening Fed officials think we'll need to see in 2023 and 2024, but for the first time, we'll also see their projections for 2025. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. EU foreign ministers are meeting tomorrow in Prague, and the FT reports they plan to suspend the bloc's visa agreement with Moscow. It's been in place since 2007. 
And the move would make it harder for Russians to get Schengen-area travel documents. This would be a punishment for Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Some EU member states, like Poland and the Czech Republic, stopped issuing new visas to Russian tourists and closed their borders to them. Others did not close their borders, which means Russians can still travel freely around the EU. Poland and the Czech Republic are both pushing for an EU-wide ban. In the U.S., there's a new generation of antitrust officials, and they're zeroing in on what they see as anti-competitive behavior. One area that they're looking at is the $10 trillion private equity industry. These are private firms that buy companies off public markets and restructure them to try and make a profit. I'm joined now by the FT's Stefania Palma. She's been looking into this. Hey, Stefania. Hi, Mark. So in terms of timing, why are regulators looking at private equity now? So one of the key reasons why uh, regulators now in Washington are taking a closer look at private equity is just because the industry itself has just come to basically own and take control of vast, vast chunks of the U.S. economy like never before. So what they are uh, mainly taking a look at are undervalued companies that are bought, restructured, and then sold off very quickly. Or, for instance, private equity uh, companies that might go into an industry, say, like nursing homes and the Federal Trade Commission putting out a report uh, saying that actually mortality rates have gone up after bio groups have have entered the sector. So what they're looking at are issues of competition, which they think is under threat when private equity uh, enters a sector, uh, but also looking at the impact on uh, ordinary American citizens. How could regulators change private equity, Stefania? So one of the things that the DOJ and the FTC are working on is revising merger guidelines uh, in order to challenge uh, deals they deem unlawful. And one of the things that they uh, are focusing on in overhauling these rules uh, is precisely looking, uh, taking a closer look at private equity and their involvement in deals. Similarly, when it comes to pre-merger notification forms, regulators also want to tweak them in order to get more visibility on the role of private equity in transactions. Uh, In addition to that, for instance, the um, uh, DOJ with uh, the head of the antitrust unit, Jonathan Cantor, he uh, told me in uh, one uh, of my interviews, he is actually quite concerned about private equity's role in buying assets that companies are ordered to sell in order to complete a separate tie-up. So these are all dynamics that have been uh, central to the private equity industry. And now you have this new group of officials that are actually saying, hang on, let's take a look at what the implications of these uh, strategies have been on competition in the U.S. Mm, I see. So has there been any pushback from people in private equity to this? So uh, after a few, just a few days after we published our exclusive interview with uh, Jonathan Cantor, we had Lawrence Summers, who is a former U.S. Treasury Secretary, uh, express concern uh, over what he defined uh, as a new era of populist antitrust policy. Um, the big sort of criticism that 
this new cohort of antitrust officials are receiving is that, uh, you know, they're being accused of politicizing competition policy. And generally speaking, you obviously have lobby groups of the key sectors that could potentially be uh, hit, in this case, uh, private equity, that are, are obviously pushing back. So it's absolutely fair to say that they've definitely been ruffling some feathers. Stefania Palma is the FT's U.S. legal and enforcement correspondent. Thanks, Stefania. Thank you. Shares in Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba have been tumbling, but they enjoyed a reprieve recently. Investors sparked a rally last week on hope that the U.S. and China might reach a deal over Washington's threat to delist Chinese companies from U.S. exchanges. That may not help Alibaba's business in the U.S., though. It's been floundering. Here's the FT's Christina Criddle. I think there was this huge ambition, especially sort of going back to Alibaba's IPO, where Jack Ma really wanted to create over a million jobs for U.S. merchants. And on this Alibaba.com platform, wanting to onboard more than a million businesses. But obviously, the relationship between U.S. and China, especially in relation to tech companies, has really changed over the past few years. And so that's meant that it's had to change its strategy and pull back from the American market a little bit. Alibaba's business-to-business platform operates in almost 200 countries, but its wholesale e-commerce operation in the U.S., which launched three years ago, has also been plagued by staff departures and a failure to attract customers. And what happened was when they onboarded these small U.S. businesses, they weren't able to compete with other global businesses that were on there. They weren't able to meet sort of the costs of items being sold on there. So it just hasn't made sense for the sellers there. So they've not been signed up as quickly. Now we're looking at sort of 2,000 new businesses in the US a month on the platform, which isn't anything near the 1 million that they were first looking out for. Christina Criddle is the FT's technology reporter. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.